Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Well, I'm going to have to start talking to the, the worship leaders and the Bible teachers around here before service time. <laughs> it's all good. I'm just kidding around. It's just amazing how God confirms. Whether you realize it or not, my job this morning is going to be to help you realize what, what moment we're living in. Certainly as people's church, but what moment we're living in as God's people. The first week of January this year, 2023, I, I hesitate to mention his name, but I'm going to give him credit, not because of anything I'm trying to not, I don't, it's not that I want you to keep from knowing who <clears throat> I talk to, because that's not the case. Susan, could you give me that water? Um, he's been a dear friend of mine many, many years, and um, they pastor a church in Nashville, Tennessee. Susan and I were there a number of years ago when they started the church. We were there for the first Sunday, thought about going and being a part of the church. But Kent Christmas is his name. And he was just a pastor of a little church for many, many decades, very faithful man. His wife, Candy, uh, sang with the the Gaithers. uh, But Kent has risen to a national prominence in the prophetic circles. And uh, he has some pretty bold prophecies. Uh, his style is different than mine, but thank God you don't have to all be the same style. Right? Ken's very flamboyant. Old school. But he's a man of God. And I called him, we, we talked a time or two a month, and I called him the first week and of this year, and said, Kent, what are, what are you? What are the what are the the prophets? Because he's in that circle. What are they saying? Now, for the past dozen years or so, I've been preaching and talking, prophesying, if you will, that I've sensed and felt there was another move of God coming. And many have said that through the through through the past decade or even more. Um, I've actually talked the least amount about it here than I have in any of the churches we've pastored over the past uh, dozen years or so. And it's not because I didn't feel it was coming. I just felt the Lord was doing things. This was an unusual way to transition a pastor here. 
But I asked Kent, what are you feeling? He said, well, Gary, he said, this is what many of the prophets are sensing, what they're speaking, what they're writing, what they're talking about on their YouTube or their churches or wherever they're at. And he said, this is what I'm going to be talking to my church about. But they saw that in the, uh, in the course of 23, that there would be a revival that was started in the center of, of America. And that it would be uh, primarily, but not totally, youth-driven. It would cross generations. But at least in the initial phases, would be youth-centered. And he said before the year was out, it was spread to the four corners. And then he named the four corners. Washington and California, Maine and Florida. It wouldn't be restricted to those states, but he said it would start in the center, spread to the corners. And by the time it was done, although he wasn't saying it would be done in 23, but by the time it was fully uh, uh, involved, is that there would be a revival that would sweep all over America. And that what the church has been praying for, the literally tens of thousands of times the Second Chronicles 7.14 has been quoted in prayer meetings and gatherings of leaders and Christians and churches. If my people will humble, my, uh, will humble themselves, call upon my name, I'll come. What's not quoted much out of Second Chronicles 7.14 uh, is the preceding verses. Is that when you see the drought, and when you see the famine, and when you see the pestilence, and when you see the judgment, then, if my people will humble themselves and pray. And one thing I've been sensing for, for the past decade or so is there's been a, actually a rebirth of a prayer revival that literally started back in the 80s. Somewhat different, but still in the, in the, in the likeness of that. <clears throat> there was not a peep of Asbury College in January of this year. It's not dead center, but it's center. It's heartland. What I'm telling you is I believe that revival, what the prophets have been seeing that was going to be burst out, Dutch Sheets has uh, several um, posts on YouTube. You can look at them. I'm not here trying to promote ministry. I'm not here. I, I sometimes... Uh, if you go watch some of those people in, on uh, YouTube, um, you're going to come and think, well, you know, our pastor would do, could do better. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's not comparing, but it's like, man, there's some heavy hitters on there. I believe America, God is giving another chance. It's not a coincidence in 2022 that Roe v. Wade was struck down by the Supreme Court. Um, there, there are things you can look all around. I'm not going to get into all that. I just mean there have been, there have been sh- shifts that have happened that have been uh, under, the, under the radar, if you will, working underneath what people are seeing for the past 50 years. And we're living in the day when things are coming and, and, and starting to take off. I believe that there will be massive revival. So I want you to know what I'm doing. I'm praying as much as I can carve out time to pray uh, each day, and this is what I'm praying. I'm begging, I'm pleading, and I don't even know if that's the right way to talk about prayer, but I'm just telling you the status of my heart. God, send it here.
want to be a part of it. I believe this church is marked for it. I believe from your very beginning, when Pastor Larry and Grace Mulkey and John and Velma Mall started this thing, I know their hearts. I knew them well enough to know their hearts. We're living in a day when it's happening right before us. It's starting right before us. Um, a young couple that Susan and I were instrumental in and just really helping them get into becoming the pastor of the Coos Bay Church. Justin and Tessa. They're like our kids, and we love them. And I was surprised, because Justin is not given to this. I got a text. He said, Gary, I'm going to Asbury this Wednesday. Took the time off. Bought the ticket that they probably didn't have money to buy it with. And I said, Justin, what brought you to this? Overwhelming hunger and frustration. I have to have more. I'm not saying you have to go to some place to get it. I'm believing, I'm believing it's going to come here. But I'm trying to make my plans to get back there. The problem is, <clears throat> remembering the offering when I was talking about me being where you're down. Okay. <laughs> the problem is, the building only seats a couple thousand now. And there are many, many times more people showing up every day than what the building will hold. The attention of not just the Midwest that now not just a few surrounding states and not just the na- nation of America, the attention being turned there, the attentions of the prophets are being turned there, uh, the attention of the world is being turned there. Something's going on in our day. And um, I'm going to do my best to not try and duplicate it or copy it. That could be furthest thing from my mind. But whatever the Holy Spirit is giving and doing and moving, He's no respecter of person, right? That means he's no respecter of churches. I was reading, uh, I've been watching, there are a number of YouTube feeds now that you can watch. Just another thing, because I've been through a few revivals. I was through Toronto and Brownsville and a couple before that. Something that always happens, and you're going to have to put a guard over your heart. The critics always show up right after the first initial expansion of it. And they will tell you what's wrong and why it's not right and how you should be really careful. In, in some way, you, you should. You should judge things. But I can tell you of assurance that the devil is not bringing thousands of people to get saved and lives transformed and ministries rebirthed. He's not the author of that. Enough said. So limit your exposure. But I was watching in one comment section, and anyway, and he identified himself. He was a Baptist pastor. I don't know him. But he was giving his little comments and through it. And he was very positive. It wasn't negative at all. He was very positive. But when you read his comments, you realize, 
oh, this is the first time he's ever been around anything like this. Because about 11.30 at night, he said, they're jumping now. Oh, some of you, I guess, didn't grow up in Pentecost. Worship and the presence of the Lord came in and people just began to dance, to jump, fall, all those things. Not asking, oh, that's what we want to have. I just want what Holy Spirit wants. So I'm going to take the few moments that I have left today. And I want you to turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. One of the most encouraging things that happened in the first month that I came here, or that Susan and I came here, and the church was grieving, and there was change. There's all the things that go with all of those mixtures of emotions and humanity. God is so faithful. I didn't ask her if I could quote her, but I'm going to quote her and I'll ask forgiveness if, if that's not all right. But Sandy came to me. <laughs> it's all good. She was just sharing her heart and she said, you know, I, was, I miss Pastor Larry so much. I was grieving. But somehow in the process of the journey, and I don't know how or when or what, I wasn't able to really connect the dots, but she said, the Lord spoke to me in a way that I understood that revival's coming. And she said, I know it's going to be all right. <clears throat> when she used the term revival's coming, something inside my spirit locked on that. Because that wasn't anything that I had programmed or put or spoken or whatever. That was something the Spirit of the Lord was doing to grieving a precious sister. And to many of most of you, I'm sure, same, same type of thing. But it was a confirmation to me that something's coming to this house and to this city and to this region. Washington needs revival. Washington State. <laughs> there are some things that we need the Holy Spirit's, the Holy Spirit to attend to. Churches need to be revitalized. They need to be filled. Over in Acts one eight, um, I just want to talk to you. G- Jesus made a statement. I'm not going to read the full statement right at the moment here, but he was telling his disciples what was getting ready to happen. They had questions, and it was a time of tremendous upheaval. Just days before, weeks before, they had watched him be crucified and buried. And then they watched him come back to life and show himself. They watched the day he was crucified untold number of tombs open and people resurrect spontaneously in the city of Jerusalem. They watched the earth shake. They did all the things, and I won't go through that, but now now it's Jesus is just getting ready to ascend to go back to heaven. So he's telling his followers, this is what you got to do. They were still in denial at this point. They were not expecting the ascension to happen. They were expecting him to become the king of Rome or the world, even then. 
but in verse 8. And so he told them, verse 7, he said, they were asking about when and why and how, and he said, listen, it's not, it's not for you to know the times. That's reserved to the Father, because we all want to get the dots connected and the calendar down. My wife loves the calendar and having it all tidy. I hate calendars. I don't look at them. I don't own one. That's the least used app on my phone. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> but in verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power. It was not just a promise. It was a declaration. He goes on and he fills it in a little bit. But it's this promise is what launched and propelled and sustained the church since his birth on Pentecost. And in the next week or two, I'm going to be preaching about the Holy Spirit and about being immersed in the Holy Spirit, about the person of the Holy Spirit and how he operates and, and to increase our interaction with him and that kind of thing. But today I just felt the emphasis. Jesus said, you shall receive power. There's this... There's, there's this whole process, and Pastor Mike touched on it at the beginning of worship. Before worship, he started talking. And, and I thought, that's the very thought that I have heard the Spirit of God speak to me to talk to you about today. He talked about getting ready to receive, preparing yourself to receive. Listen, he said, you're going to receive but, uh, power. And then he told him, whenever, you know, go to in Jerusalem, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, this power is going to come. We, we get really focused on what that looked like on the day of Pentecost and things that happened and how that happened and is it still happening and should it happen or shouldn't it We get all that. We missed the main point. He said, you shall receive. That was the promise. You're going to receive something that's bigger than you, something that's greater than you, something that's going to come from the outside of you. You're going to receive something that's going to come in your life. And I don't know about you, I've got a lot from the Lord. I love the Word. I study it all the time. You do too. I read it every day. We look at it, and there's all kinds of things God's put. But Lord, I want to receive everything that you want to give to me because there are still things that He wants to give to me that I haven't either understood yet or haven't been... Uh, aware enough or clued in enough. But I just know this, I want more. <laughs> I was a part of the Toronto Revival. I went there as many times as I could. And um, Toronto was a crazy place at, in those days at Airport Vineyard. Um, if you should go. And by the way, I would encourage you. I'm not telling you, but if, if something's stirring in you and you think, man, I'd like to go back there, I would say Yes. If you can make it and you do all that, yeah, I would. It'd be worth the trip. You can't get in now. You have to wait in line for eight, nine, ten, twelve hours to get in the door. It was that way in Brownsville. It's that way when revivals come. It's that way when Jesus shows up. And Jesus is everywhere, and he's here, and he's... On. But when the, when the manifest power of God really begins to come on to display, the hungry and the, and the need, they come from everywhere. Lest you think, oh, he wants revival so the church will be full. Ah, this is Jesus' church. <laughs> He'll build it. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. Oh, I'd rather it be full than empty? Absolutely. I'm going to do my best. You're going to do your best. 
But in the end, uh, one plants, one waters. But it's the Lord who brings the increase, right? So um, he said, you're going to receive. And so Pastor Mike started out talking about preparing yourself, getting ready to receive. And I, what, what, is, what is it? What type of mind or thinking, what are the thought processes that, that should be involved in dealing with this within your own life? Lord, well, let's, let's stop and just ask one. How many believe that you need more power than you already have in the things of God? <laughs> All the digits, fingers, toes, everything. God, we need more. How many have ever scratched your head and thought, I know the church is real. I know people's church is a good church. I know all those things. I've been here. I've done all that. But no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. But has it ever passed through your mind? Lord, we could do with some more power. Just so you know, the greatest have always asked that. Catherine Kuhlman or Roberts, Billy Graham. I don't know. <laughs> Elijah and... Elisha, yes, yeah, said I want double. Yeah. That's right. Good. Um, in the heart of every person that's touched and moved upon by Holy Spirit, I believe, you know, in, in our physical bodies, in the natural, things operate just the opposite. So in the natural, the more you eat, the less hunger you have. Unless it's chocolate or whatever you're, you know, whatever. <laughs> Krispy Kreme donuts, you just can't get it. Uh, in the spiritual, it's just the opposite. The more, you, the more you eat, the more you receive, the more hungry you get. I'm desperately hungry. Oh, I can't wait for heaven. But I'm saying, Lord, I want everything that, that I need to do and get on this side before I go there. Amen. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Well, how, Lord? What's that? Look, as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. Yeah, we're going to heaven. It's our desire. We want to get there. We're sending everything ahead. We're living lives that be pleasing, Lord, all of that. But really, one of our main jobs now is, Lord, we are there as your ambassadors to bring the presence of heaven down here. And God sends it and does all that. And But he said, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive this. This um, You're going to be endued over and over in Luke twenty four forty nine, if if um, if Mike could put that one up on the screen, Jesus is the one that uh, released this power. He's the one that baptizes. He's the one that said, "I've got to go, that the Holy Spirit can come." And we'll talk about that in a in a week or two. But here in in Luke twenty four forty nine, Jesus was talking, and it's the same occurrence that was happening here as we're reading in Acts 24-49, where Jesus said, um, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued. So he used the word receive in Acts. Here he's using the word endued with power from on high. They're two different words, but they're um, 
similar, but they, they bring different layers of meaning. And in verse 8 of Acts, uh, chapter 1, it, that power he's talking about is, is literally, it means a miraculous force of power. Newer, higher forces that are working in the lower world. That is, there's going to be a higher power that comes and begins to not just fill you, but work through you and to you. Jesus said, you shall receive this power. Well, why do I need that power? To be a miracle worker? Well, of course, miracles are always good. But what you really need that power for is to live a victorious life in your own life. To be an example, to be an ambassador. Here, this word, endue, he said, you're going to be endued with power. So in in Acts 8, he's saying, he's describing what the effects of the power are. Power in action is what he was using. Then over in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it was the word dunamis, of course, that, that explosive action of power. And we kind of get focused on that, and we miss these other things that Jesus was talking about in this whole context about he's going to go so that Holy Spirit would come. And the, the, uh, the real impact of Holy Spirit coming is that his people, his followers, his believers, would be filled with power. This word endued in John... 24, or in Luke 2449, endued, literally, it literally means to sink into clothing. It, 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 it means, in the way we would describe it, to put on as clothing. Jesus said, you're going to, you're going to be endued. You're going to, uh, you're going to have some robe, you're going to have some clothing that comes upon you that not just imparts power, but that actually becomes the whole connection of heaven's power to you. Has anybody ever had that you can remember? Now, we all did as children. We can't remember much. But has anyone ever been in a situation or position where someone had to dress you? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's awkward. For me, it's not pleasant, but I tend to be stubborn and self-sufficient and all that kind of stuff. I hate it when you go into the hospital, and it's usually a female nurse, <laughs> and they come with the robe, and they say, you need to get out of that and get into this, and I'm always, and then they stand there, and I'm always like, or if you'd leave, I would. <laughs> the whole process of being clothed, it's a very personal thing. That's the point I'm trying to make. You all did it this morning, thank God. <laughs> you all put on your Sunday best. Yay. You all got ready. You stood in front of the mirror, even the guy. Clothing is, they, they see your face, of course. And I apologize for my face. Yeah. I had a procedure on my eyes this week, and my eyes are recovered. Give me a couple more weeks, and I'll be back to normal. But I know the way people are. They'll think, what's the matter with that guy? Was he, man, you think he's got a problem outside the church or what? His eyes were all red and bloodshot. Well, no, it's nothing. It's just, just a little procedure I had this week. But putting on clothing 
So, if you're going to be dressed, and here's, here's what this whole thing he's talking about, being endued. It's not, it's not you so much picking out the wardrobe. No, it's Holy Spirit coming in and dressing you the way that you need to be dressed for him. He said the Spirit of God comes and he gives gifts. Remember that word over, I think it's in Ephesians, where he talks about severally as he will? And, you, and so you kind of get from context, well, that just means he's giving the right gifts to the right people for what they need to do. It means he's picking out the wardrobe. He's choosing what to dress you with. He's choosing what you need to have. And that changes throughout your life. Sometimes you need, you need help and healing. Sometimes you need help and deliverance. Sometimes you need help and just protection and safety. Sometimes you need help in Jehovah Jireh. I need provision. Sometimes you need help in being a witness and all those things. The Holy Spirit comes and He will and wrap you up and enclose you, clothe you and uh, wrap Himself around you to where it's Him moving in you and to you and through you to do the will and the purpose of God, even though you're still just plain old weak flesh. The Holy Spirit will come and endue you with power. So the whole process in this then really becomes um, uh, a couple of issues of, number one, surrender. Lord, help me to be not so proud or arrogant to think that I can do this thing called life by myself. You've probably figured out by now that you can't do it by yourself. You've probably figured out, if you've read the Bible much, been to church much, that uh, really the church, it's not just a hospital, it is. It's a spiritual hospital, it's a social place, it's a spiritual place, it's a supernatural place. But it's a place where we all come and we're all different in all ways and we're blended together by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and each one supplies something that's different and out of that we become the body and the bride of Jesus Christ which the gates of hell cannot prevail against, which he's coming back for a bride which is perfect, without spot, without wrinkle. And we're all part of that. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's picking out the wardrobes and dressing us up and cleaning it up and doing all the things. And we need to know, Lord, how do I receive more of your Spirit's activity in my life? Because what I needed yesterday, I need more today. What I needed when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit as a teenager a couple of months after I got saved, I need more now. I wish I could say, oh, I've got all that I ever need now. More than, no, I need more now than I did back then. The reason I came in in the first place, the reason you came in in the first place is because the Holy Spirit was sent to you and He enacted His power and you received it and He drew you to the one that He exalts more than anything else. He lifts up Jesus Christ and He draws all men unto Him and that's how we all originally came. I saw, and I'm going to, I'm going to have all kinds of people I'm going to need to be apologizing to after this message today, but uh, I'm going to, uh, use Junior here. I saw a post that uh, you posted on, I think, People's Connector somewhere. Yeah, on text. 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 It was one of the most powerful posts I've read in testimonial since I've been at this church. And I don't know if you were here, Junior, or not, but a couple of months ago we had, a, we had Levi come in, and there was a young man with him, Kevin, Young African American man is prophet. He's in maybe late twenties, early thirties. I get with him every week, and I just fellowship. 
But in his time here, he was he had some prophetic things he spoke into this church. And one of the things that was kind of, it was in the conversation, is that uh, how the Lord uses him to bring atheists to Jesus. And he loves, you remember that? He loves, every time he runs into somebody who says, I'm an atheist, he gets excited. Where the rest of them, you know, including me sometimes, we're like, well, you know, I'm going to go minister to the, the backslidden Lutheran over here. That's who I'm... I, <laughs> and I didn't realize this about you, Jim. I didn't know. I'm so glad you posted that testimony. He said, I came in an atheist and I left a believer. Talking about that Sunday morning that Vernon preached and you answered an altar call. You came in an atheist. I didn't know that. The process of that happening, wasn't that was the fulfillment, the culmination of it on that Sunday morning. But before that, man, I suspect you were up under a lot of dealings of the Holy Spirit in your life and probably didn't realize it was the hand of God doing it. God's doing great and mighty things in the day that we live in. How should we receive? What, what brings us to a point of... of of saying, I need to receive. How can I receive, Lord? How can I be positioned to receive? John 6, we're going to close it up with this. Jesus had 5,000 men and plus women and children that day. It was an incredible miracle. Filled 12 baskets, 12 basically bushel baskets of leftovers. It was so powerful that Jesus perceived and knew by the Spirit that this crowd of 10,000 plus people were going to literally take him, physically take him, and take him back to town, to Jerusalem, and declare he is our new king. We're not ruled by Caesar, we're ruled by Jesus. And Jesus knew that's not the plan. That's not what God has ordained. That's not what's going on uh, in, the, in, the, in the full scheme of things. And so he slipped out. The evening came, they were down by the sea. Disciples got in a boat. And they were going to go over the, they had a meeting or whatever the next, next day or whenever in Capernaum. So the disciples took off. Jesus stayed back, going somewhere with this. They'd seen the miracles. They'd seen the power. They'd seen it. They realized we are on the right side. He might not be king now, but he's going to be king. I mean, they didn't know what all was going on. I, you know, all that, but it's coming. So they get in the boat. <laughs> God can do anything. And a few hours later, they're scared for their life because that boat's getting ready to sink. A great wind blew up on the lake. These men, fishermen, and outdoor, all the, all the stuff. And they realize that when it's this bad, uh, the boats don't make it back. They were scared for their lives. In the middle of the night, Jesus came walking on the water. This is the story where Jesus walked on water. Jesus came. First, they thought he was a spirit. They thought it was just a spirit. And then they realized it was Jesus. It was literally Jesus. They had rowed 
verse 19 said, three or four miles against the waves, against the wind. And they saw Jesus walking in the sea, and he was drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. If you go into this, at that point, because of their inability, they were more afraid of what they were seeing in Jesus than they were afraid now of sinking. It was, it was, their minds were short-circuiting. How can this be? We're, we're miles from shore. Jesus, he's, that's him. Another rendition of the story, they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was an apparition. Oh, no, it's finally, they realized it's Jesus. And Jesus said, it's me, don't be afraid. It's I, don't be afraid. It's okay, guys. And then verse 21, if you, if you be there, 6 John 21. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And what's even equally as amazing is that, and immediately the boat was at land where they were at. If you get rid of the supernatural stuff in the Bible, you don't have a lot left. When your boat's sinking, you'll receive. Whatever little boat in your life is sinking right now, that's the error you're going to receive. The impartation of Holy Spirit into. The power of God into. I've had the diagnoses that weren't good. You become a real powerful believer in healing prayers. Ha, ha, ha. And we could go on and illustrate any number of ways, but you, you're getting the point. Whenever, whenever it's out of your control, then you're at a perfect position in your life to say, I receive what you can do because you're greater and you're the only one that can do. And so this is, this is what it does in your life. It flips the negatives into the greatest positives you would ever have. So those things that were meant to destroy you all of a sudden become the very vehicle that, that you're able to receive the Holy Spirit to come in and do what you never could do on your own. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How's he strengthen you? Well, he strengthens you. Through, there's a lot of ways he strengthens you, but primarily the vehicle of him strengthening today is through the person of Holy Spirit. In our Wednesday night doctrine classes, we're, we're coming up with... Uh, we're going to be talking about the Trinity, and we're going to be talking about the deity of Christ, and we're going to be talking about some things. It's, it's, through that, it's through that presence of God coming into your life. This word receive here is it's lambano is what it's, uh, I don't know if that's the right way, but in, in Greek that's what it's pronounced, or that's what it's spelled like. And it, it means a, it doesn't mean, let me do a reverse and then we'll get, it doesn't mean, oh, graciously and humbly receiving the gift that's, that the, the powerful one has bestowed upon you. That's, a, that's one way of receiving. And a lot of times when we talk about receiving this kind of thing, we, we kind of look at we're the humble ones and God's the, the great one and he's giving. And there, there is that point and there is that part. This, this, however, is not that. This is Lombano. This is the receiving when you're in the boat that's sinking. And the only one that can save your sinking little boat happens to show up in the middle of it when you're least expecting him. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even look like anything you expected he would look like. And sometimes it becomes very fearful for you. 
But lumbano means a self-promoted taking. You showed up just in the nick of time. They throw the life raft out, or they throw the life ring out, and you're not looking to see the name of the boat. You're just grabbing onto the ring. <laughs> Holy Spirit is showing up in some of your lives right now because something in your life has gone tipsy turvy, and and you're and you're just you're just not sure how it's going to work out. And you've got a little bit of things that we said we sang that song, "Fear, get out of here." Well, you're having to sing that song in faith, "Fear, get out of here," because I'm just. Man, my, this thing is bothering me. That becomes the setup for Holy Spirit to come in. It becomes the setup for now to receive. I learned more about faith and finances whenever I didn't have finances, and far more than whenever I had more than enough. <laughs> oh, some of you are shaking your head. You've, you've walked that same journey. Yeah. Let's stand up. We'll pick this up next week. We're going to talk about the effects of power and, and all of that kind of thing. But if you're here today and you've got this analogy of, man, I've, I've got something that I, I need help in. I, my, my, my boat, I'm needing, I'm needing to receive God's power in situation in my life that I'm not able to handle my, my own. If that's you, I want you to come forward. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray. We'll dismiss here in just a moment or two. But you're here today and you've got something in your life that you're in a position to receive. Just going to give it a moment because I've got a couple of other things we're going to pray about in this regard as well. Who else? (laughs) Part of receiving this isn't about whether you should, whether you ought to, whatever. This is about this is about self-promotion. I need this. And I need God's touch more than what I need people to think about me or wonder what's going on or any of that. I need God to come and minister in my life. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a moment. <clears throat> hey, everybody. This is Junior. This is his little son. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Have you seen a difference in your dad the last couple of months? You've seen... What's the difference, Ben? I think he's trying to... He's, he's been looking for forgiveness for a long time, I think. And now that he's accepted the church, I think he's on the right path to finding it. Finding that forgiveness for himself. Yeah. Wow. So the families notice a difference? Yeah. Can I tell them what you just did today? Yeah. Emilio accepted Jesus Christ for his personal Lord and Savior. The answer to dad's prayer is unclear. Junior, tell tell the folks today. Just give them a short testimony. What's going on? What's been going on in your life, brother? Well, a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I never never had faith. 
I never had faith. I never. Well, he knows. I was never religious. I. Yep. I think he's got it. Okay. Uh, I I grew up in in the L.A. area, and I was very violent growing up, very angry. Not so long ago, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just put the whole family through hell my whole life, and uh, you know, hurt the ones that I loved. And that one day, I walked in. Yay! Yeah, I went to another church before that. I didn't feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And that day I walked in, and uh, yeah, Vernon threw away his prepared, you know, yeah, sermon, and he said, "I'm just gonna freestyle this." And man, it seemed like everything was just directed Boom. to me. Yeah. Boom. And uh, yeah, yeah. That day, that day, uh, things changed in my heart. Wow. Thank you, Junior. Stretch your hands over this man and his son and his family. Lord, we just pray a blessing of God over Junior, Emilio, and all the family, God. I pray for Cindy, Lord. I pray for the, the extended family. I pray for the other kids, Lord. Lord, your word shows us by example that it's not just when somebody gets saved. It's the whole household comes in. So, Lord, bring to the rest of the household that needs Jesus in from Junior's life. Lord, and I pray you would do this a thousand, thousand times over in other families, God. We give you the glory today. We give you great praise. You're an awesome God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.